Welcome. I'm Jeff Carls, Executive Director of the Institute on Religious Life, and this is the Institute's podcast series called Ever Ancient, Ever New. I'm so excited to share one of our Facebook Live interview recordings with you today. The Institute on Religious Life started the Facebook Live interviews during the COVID pandemic in an effort to connect our affiliate communities and the world during the period of lockdown and distancing. Jesse Weiler conducted the interviews. Jesse serves on the board of the IRL. Today's Facebook Live interview will be featuring Sister Elizabeth Miles. Sister Elizabeth is a sister and the vocations director of the Servants of Mary, Ministers to the Sick in Los Angeles, California. She will be talking about her experience with the Vita Consecrata Institute and telling a little bit about her vocation journey. The Servants of Mary, Ministers to the Sick, sisters are consecrated to the service of God and the Church and aspire after perfect charity following Christ through the practice of the Evangelical Councils of Chastity, Poverty, and Obedience, living in community and dedicating themselves for the love of God to the sick. They fulfill this mission at the bedside of the sick, caring for them diligently and gratuitously, preferably in their own homes. The community's spirituality is to be contemplative in action by a deep prayer life and Eucharistic adoration, loving devotion to Mary, fidelity to the Holy Father and the Church, strong community life, and abandonment to divine providence. We are overjoyed to be able to share these talks and interviews with you from these religious men and women who truly are some of the greatest treasures of the Church. May God bless you and enjoy. Hi, I'm Jesse Weiler here for the Institute on Religious Life with Sister Elizabeth Miles, who is the Vocation Director for the Servants of Mary, Ministers of the Sick. Sister, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you, Jesse. It's good to, uh, to meet you. I'm very excited to hear about your experience at the Vita Consecrata Institute and to hear a little bit more about your vocation story. But as we always do, before we get started in our conversation, I ask if you would lead us in prayer together. Okay, thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, we thank you, Lord, for this day and for this time together. We just ask you just to guide us in our conversation. May it all be for your praise and glory. You know all those intentions we hold in the silence of our hearts for Jesse and for all of us, for myself and for everyone who may be watching. And I ask you in a special way to bless the Institute on Religious Life. Uh, bless their mission in a special way. And we ask all, through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through the intercession of Our Lady and St. Joseph, as we pray, Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace. grace, the Lord is with, the Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much for that wonderful prayer. And um, I, like like everybody who watches this show every Thursday, I'm very interested to hear your story about how you got interested in, in the religious life and, uh, you know, why you found your, your way with this specific community. Okay, sure, Jesse. And may I say something first before we start? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. I just want to um, say thank you to you and everybody at the Institute on Religious Life for all you do to promote religious life in the church and for the support you give to religious communities. We are truly grateful 
And may God bless you because your mission truly is a gift for the church. And so I wanted to mention that before we start. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we couldn't do what we do without you. So (laughs) I think it is a full mutual enrichment there. So thank you so much for those kind words. So we're in it together, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, like you said, my name is Sister Elizabeth Miles. I am a religious sister from the congregation Servants of Mary, Ministers to the Sick. We are a nursing order, and our main mission is taking care of the sick and dying in their own homes. So say you had a sick family member, you would pick up the sister, and while you sleep at night, she'll take care of your family member. We do have one nursing home in the United States. It's in Newberry Park, California called Mary Health of the Sick, but our main mission is taking care of the sick in their homes. And I did see, Jesse, the interview with you and Sister Yesenia. Uh, she's from our community there in New that was a wi- That was a while ago. That was like a year ago. That was a year and a half or a year, yes. Yes, it's been a while. That was wonderful. So she's there in our, our where our nursing home is. Our anniversary, that's very important. That's coming up. I wanted to share that. We were founded on a very special day. It's coming soon, August 15th, the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother into Heaven, in the year 1851. So this year we are celebrating 170 years, which for me as a servant, and I could speak on behalf of my sisters, it's so amazing how we don't charge for our services, and we're still here 170 years later. It just makes me realize that if God wants something, he'll make it happen. Uh, how good God has been to us and the people who have supported us during these 170 years. May God bless them. We're so grateful. And also, from there, I'd want to tell you about Mother Soledad. Um, So join us in the joy of our our anniversary. Our foundress is St. Maria Soledad. Uh, She was from Madrid, Spain. And we also have five beatified sisters. Their names are Blessed Mary Catherine Edigoyen. She lived a holy life, giving her life in our ministry with the sick and their families. And then we have four martyr sisters. They were killed during the religious persecution in Spain in the 1930s. Their names are Blessed Aurelia, Blessed Aurora, Blessed Daria, and Blessed Agustina. And also then in 2019, we had a sister, Pope Francis, declared her venerable. Her name is Mother Soledad San Herjo. Sometimes people confuse her with our foundress, but it's a different sister. She's from Puerto Rico, and she died in the 1970s. So for me and for my sisters, what an honor it is to have our sisters acknowledged by the church, their lives. And we look to their lives, their examples. It gives us courage and hope, you know, encouragement and hope that If we are faithful to our way of life, we too can be saints. Because as we know, all of us are called to that universal call of holiness. So so we're so blessed to have them. So may they pray for us. Mm -hmm. And please pray for all the servants of Mary that we be all that Jesus has asked us to be. So how did you get involved with the community? Were you a nurse first and then you said, hey, this is something I'm very interested in? Or did you go about that process after you were part of the community? Well, you know, it's after, really. I had a little bit of involvement with the sick. Uh, I can explain my story a little bit. Please do. Please do. Okay. I was born and raised in California, born and raised in the Catholic faith. 
Um, I had some things happen to me as a child, and my reaction to that was low self-esteem. So just to kind of give you where I was at as a child. I went to catechism, went through catechism up to confirmation in the Catholic faith. And then I got into that thinking, well, I don't need to go to church. God is everywhere. Pray wherever I want, even though I wasn't praying anywhere anyway. But I stopped going to church. And, and it's not because I didn't love or believe in God. It's because I didn't believe I deserved his love. So that's kind of where I was psychologically. So even though I wasn't going to church, I would go to a little Catholic gift shop. It was Casa St. Francis. And I would pick up holy cards. Do you know the footprints? The Foot, footprints, footprints in the sand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Usually you see the, the plaques with the beach with the footprints on the mm -hmm. sand. Well, in that poem, the part that touched me was when it said, Lord, why, when I needed you most, is there one set of footprints? And the Lord responds, it's when you see one set of footprints, it's then that I carried you. So this was very special to me. So what I would do is I'd buy these holy cards, and then I would pass them out to people that I met who were going through difficulties in their lives. Started hanging out with friends. We were getting into trouble, and Mom fought me on it. I was always so angry that she didn't like my friends, but <laughs> I was like, why can't she like my friends? But you know how sometimes parents will go along with a child's behavior because they're afraid of losing their love or losing them. So my mom had the same concerns, except she never gave up. No was no and wrong was wrong. So thanks be to God, she never gave up on me. And so, so from there, to make a long story short, I had everything that the world said was important. I had my job, my own place to live, a boyfriend, a car, everything the world said, but I, there was an emptiness inside of me. There was always still something missing. And of course, it was my relationship with God. So finally, it's when I turned 30 years old. I, I had the boyfriend at the time and I told him, well, either we get married or let's stop wasting each other's time. And so he said, well, I don't want to get married. Thanks be to God. <laughs> but not because marriage is bad. Marriage is beautiful. It's a sacrament in the church. A relationship between a man and woman is beautiful. But it wasn't my vocation. It wouldn't have been a good situation. So he said no. So I went on. That was my, my excuse to, to get out of that situation. So shortly after that, I went by the Catholic gift shop. And the owner, who became my good friend, her name was Ruth, she was at the counter talking to a customer about the Catholic faith. And in my ignorance, I said, well, they say that Catholic services are boring and we don't read the Bible. And I remember Ruth looking up at me with tears in her eyes. I tell you, Jesse, it was like Jesus was looking at me. And she said, what? And she proceeded to explain that uh, scripture is read at every mass, that the scripture is in the prayers and the liturgy, that when Father speaks in the homily, he's, he's explaining scripture. And then she went on to tell me about Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. And all I could say is I was 30 years old, and I didn't know, confirmed in the Catholic faith, and I didn't know my faith. So then she told me, well, why don't you go down the street there's a, a parish down the street. The priests are in the confessional every day. Why don't you go and talk to one? And so I did, Jesse. I went. I have no memory of my confession. I have no memory of the priest I confessed to. I just know I, I went to confession. My work schedule was just perfect where I can go to Mass in the morning. I could even have time for prayer. 
Then the priests and the lay people invited me to pray the rosary in the divine office in the morning. So everything just kind of happened. And they said, usually when people are away from the church, they go every Sunday to church, but they don't go, you know, every day right away. Then one of the priests asked me to be a Eucharistic minister to the sick. And that's where that became more of a direction for me. I also, my mother suggested, I wanted volunteer work to do some volunteer work. So she suggested a place I went and did that, visiting the sick. So I wasn't physically taking care of the sick, but I was visiting. And so the priest, one of the priests at my parish asked me, well, when do you feel closest to God? And I knew it was when I was with the sick. I knew that. I can, all I can say is that really it was the priests at my parish that made me want to know about religious life. It was their joy and dedication that caught my attention. I didn't go to Catholic school. I didn't know sisters. But they had something that I wanted. I would look at my priests and i say, I want what they have. And I'm not a man, so I couldn't answer their order. <laughs> so, but God in his mercy, he led me to the Servants of Mary Ministers to the Sick. And so I went back to Ruth, who was the Catholic shop owner. And I said, I want to know about sisters. And so she gave me a directory of all the men and women religious communities of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And she said, why don't you take it home and call and ask questions? And so I did. And so the first time I opened that, it was Servants of Mary Ministers of the Sick. And like I already said, I was already feeling close to God when I was with the sick. So that caught my attention. And so when I called some other communities, but when I met the Servants of Mary in L.A., where I am now in Los Angeles, when they opened the door, it was the same thing. I looked in their eyes. I said, they have something that I want. So I knew it. To, to, all I can say is within one year and 10 months after coming back to the Catholic faith, I entered the convent on October 7th, 2000. And I made my first profession in 2003, but my final profession in 2009. And all I could say is that the prodigal daughter was home and I received my ring because we receive a ring when we make our final vows. I'm the prodigal daughter was home. And in regards to our ministry though, Jesse, before I entered, I always was saying, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? But once I got involved in our ministry with the sick and their families, I realized I was either ignorant or arrogant. I received so much more than I could ever give to my patients and their families. So it's absolutely, it's just awesome. The ministry for me, but it's my vocation to be, you know, some people think it's very sad being with the dying, but no, it's an honor. You know, you're welcomed as a stranger into a home in a very intimate moment in a family to help them through that. It's really an honor. What I love about your story, and this will kind of transition us into the topic of the Vita Consagrada Institute, which we'll talk a little bit about. I love how well-rounded your faith experience is and your journey in your faith, because there's two ways to really encounter the graces of God, right? There's the intellectual awareness and understanding that, you know, intellectual knowledge. But then what it seems that you had in your in your call is the experiential and sacramental experience and the graces that came through that experience in confession and through the sacred liturgy beyond that leading up to your time there. And so I, I think that's a really 
great approach to our to our life, both intellectually and experientially. But I want to ask you, what was that like for you to be able to, you know, succumb to those graces from the sacrament of confession and really be, you know, letting that break up all of that ignorance and arrogance that you were talking about? Because that had to go away and you had to surrender. And it's only through those graces that that can really happen. So what was that like for you to, to kind of say goodbye to that old way, you know, and having that newfound grace? Well, it was really a miracle. <laughs> it's like, I think, God, for me, it kind of, it just flowed. It's like he was saying, you wasted enough time, let's get going. But I have to go back to my priests. They're the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Uh, my parish is in St. Peter Chanel in Hawaiian Gardens. And when they taught me, when I came back to the church, like you said, through the sacrament and reconciliation and prayer and the liturgy, they taught me by their example Jesus working through them in a powerful way that Jesus was not just a story in a book. He was alive and he loved me. And no matter what sin I committed, no matter what I've done, his love is greater than my sins. So I think once you experience that, you're never the same. You're never the same. And so I think that transition for me by the grace of God just went like it was so natural. Mm-hmm. Once I believed that he was real and I believed in the love and mercy of God. Because I think that's what we struggle with a lot is just trusting in that. And knowledge of it, but bringing it from the intellectual, like you said, to the heart. Absolutely. And that's what, yeah, yeah, VCI has taught me that. So that's what I want to talk about next. Okay, so we have the Vita Consecrata Institute. This is a program that the Institute on Religious Life runs for religious so that they can continue their education and their knowledge whether it's specifically about the religious life or some theology or sacramental theology or dogma. I'm going to say this from the perspective of maybe somebody who is agnostic, right? So why would a, why would a religious sister like yourself who spends all her time caring for the sick and nursing and all of that, why would you need to get further theology education to be able to do to do that how does that translate how does the the more you know about your faith actually influence what you do in your apostolate because that's the center of everything and it's just like education whether it's education formation spiritual formation or whether it's um, in our prayer life in general even the education i've received from vci has helped me to grow in my prayer life so see that's the foundation if i don't have Uh, just like a married couple, if they're not speaking to each other, if they're not um, having that, going away from, parting from each other. And as a religious, I have to have Jesus Christ as my center. So that's why permanent formation, even though I'm not a novice anymore, I've made my final profession of vials, but that doesn't mean that I don't continue my formation. And this is the great gift that Vita Consecrata has given to not only myself, but priests, religious, and the lay faithful, some are coming, I know now. And it's so amazing, the program. What's been your What's been your favorite coursework that you've done in this program? You, you said you did this for about three years now. What's been the, your favorite class that you took uh, and made the most impact on your life? Well, I think that's hard. That's hard, Jesse, because everyone has it. It's unique. But this year, I have to say, going with the year of St. Joseph to Father Boniface Hicks right now with going deeper into the importance of our relationship with St. Joseph. I think that was very powerful this year. And also with Father Thomas, and those are the only two I took this year. So I have to say this year, he went over the history of religious life. 
And I, yes, I had the basic in the formation in the novitiate, but Father Thomas explained it so well, step by step by step, that you can see how the culture and how through the centuries things affected religious life and how important it is to stay centered in our charism and our founding charism. And he really went into all that. And it was just so amazing to say, wow, even the monastic part of it, he went into explaining monastic life. And we are considered as servants of Mary, ministers of the sick, contemplative in action. And I used to kind of just take that, well, it's kind of like a word. Yes, we, we have good prayer. We have good prayer time. But I never really understood that meaning. But once I took Father Thomas' class this year, I saw how so much of my way of life as a servant of Mary is back in the beginning of monasticism. Things we do, silence in our meals, spiritual reading, like hearing Father Thomas explain that. So that was very powerful. So this year, I would have to say, um, was a very special experience. I wish I could stay the whole month. I could only stay two weeks because it's a whole month. But every time, every year has been, God has just spoke to me and worked in, w within me in different ways through Vita Consecrata courses. And it's because the professors are solid, they're faithful to the church. And I have to say that, yes, they share their wisdom with us. You know, we say Father Brian Milady, this year Monsignor uh, Calkins, I, I believe, the last name, excuse me if I said it wrong. They're not just giving us wisdom, they're living what they're teaching us. And this is what makes the difference. They're taking the intellectual from the head to the heart. And that's what they're encouraging us to do. Because we can all be superficial. Priests, religious, every, all of us, we're human beings. And I don't want to be superficial. I didn't enter the convent to stay on that level. So that's why I'm so grateful to God, my congregation, for allowing me to go to Vida Consacrada. So one of the other treasures about the VCI is that it's not just one specific community going out there to get, you know, further formation, but that you have religious from all over the world coming together. What's that been like when you get to, you know, not necessarily network, but get to live and be in community with other communities and other charisms and sharing experiences? What, what, what has that been like for the last three years? I could say as a religious, you know, we could get tired in our ministries, we could get discouraged. Going to VCI, you know, just seeing that we're not in it alone, we're in this together. And I could say it in a simple way that the church is alive. We could look at all the negativity in the media, we can look at all those things, hear those things negative about the Catholic church. But when I go to VCI, I see, no, that's all a lie. It's a lie from the devil. And so I'm just like, no, look at this. Men and women are giving their lives and even lay faithful who are desiring to join with us to bring Christ to this world. That's why, you know, don't listen to what the media is saying. The church is very much alive. And there's moments where I had where I was going through ups and downs and VCI helped me to, to not fall into that way of thinking. The church is very much alive. So you talk about, you know, the intellect leading into the heart and then into action. This is something that I've heard from one of my mentors a few years back. Uh, he always talked about this process, head, heart, action. So you get understanding of knowing something. You let your uh, effective part of our nature enhance that emotionally, and then it leads into the action, right? So my question is, are there ever times where, you know, the heart has to lead the intellect where you're, the effective nature of our, 
our human nature has to lead us into a new area or a new realm of intellect? I would say, you know, I don't want to say uh, it's black or white because it's not. But when you're really having a deep prayer life, that's why our prayer life is so important, our, our spirit of discernment. Sometimes, yes, I think God speaks to us in different ways. But I wouldn't want to say it all the time, go with your heart. because But it, you have to discern that. You have to take some time to really, and even if it's decision-making or whatever that is, to always go to someone who is wise, a spiritual guide or a confessor, or maybe someone you know is wise and living their faith. It's important not to do it alone and just go by the heart. But yes, I would say it can. God can guide us through that. It's always easy to do the things that you want to do that you have a desire to do, right? Uh, but it's just as important to make sure that you're thinking about those things first properly. We all do things that we know we shouldn't do, but we do anyway because we, we just desire them. That's the nature of concupiscence. So my other question, my last question about all of this is, how has your experience at the VCI enhanced your experience with your with your community, you know, servants there and the apostolate? How is that directly affecting those that you are in community with and those that you serve? I think it goes right back to my relationship with God, how my formation I receive there brings me closer to him. And so I'm more able to find Jesus in my sisters. And from there, I can find him in my patient, be more receptive to God's presence in others. I think by being formed and having, remembering why I entered and having a greater knowledge of my consecrated life, it all brings me closer to God, which helps me to be more receptive to his presence around me. I think that's a great answer. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's the, I think that's it. It's, this, it's a mutual enrichment of prayer and study. You know, the more you pray, the better you can study and get increased your intellectual abilities. And then the more you know, like you said, the better that you can pray and serve and lead that into action. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think that's absolutely excellent. And uh, we hope that, you know, if anybody's out there, any uh, specifically religious are interested in this, uh, we've posted a, a link to the Vita Consecrata Institute, so you can check out the information there. Sister, if somebody is interested in the ministry and the work that you do out there in L.A., where can they go to find out more information, maybe do a vocation visit or come out and, and help or volunteer? Okay, well, our our website is one way. That's sister sisterservantsofmary.org. And in there, you have the different locations. If you look for the locations of our convents, uh, you'll find the phone numbers. Also, there's a message. You know, if you go through the website, you'll see a place where you can leave messages. And of course, anything vocational will come to me. And so I think really the website should have all the information, any phone numbers right there at Sister Servants of Mary. So uh, I went ahead and posted that on the chat there so that people can get an easy link there. So you can find out information about... Uh, Vita Consecrata Institute, or you can find out information about your religious community. But uh, Sister Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me today. And, and also, thank you for your kind words about the Institute on Religious Life. I think you uh, totally understand what our mission is here. And we love to, to help. You know, you help us, we help you. And then together, we can continue to build the kingdom. So Thank you for all of your hard work, and thank you for joining me today. I hope we can meet again, hopefully in person <laughs> someday. That would be nice. <laughs> but, but thank you, and God bless. Okay, God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. 
I hope that this podcast has inspired you and that you will pray along with me for an increase in vocations to the priesthood and religious life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O God, throughout the ages, you have called women and men to pursue lives of perfect charity through the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. We give you thanks for these courageous witnesses of faith and models of inspiration. Their pursuit of holy lives teaches us to make a more perfect offering of ourselves to you. Continue to enrich your church by calling forth sons and daughters who, having found the pearl of great price, treasure the kingdom of heaven above all things. Amen. Thank you and God bless.